people i'm dave rubin and we've got another friday panel extravaganza joining me today our host of the liz wheeler show liz wheeler and fox news columnist and new york post columnist two columnists that's a lot of columnists thing uh carol markowitz we had robert barnes but the internet gremlins did something to him a few minutes ago and he can't join us so it's an all-lady panel how are you ladies How's it going? Hi, Dave. Hi, Carol. I am glad to have the two of you because uh, this was a, another crazy week. It's always a crazy week, but I feel like something happened this week that leveled up the, the craziness, and I know that you guys will give me some good insight onto this, this new world order thing that Biden just sort of slipped out. Oh, there's a new world order coming. Somehow, I don't remember that. Do you guys remember that during the campaign? Was there anything about new world order coming? You guys remember that? Was there anything? I don't think so. Uh, but that just slipped out, so that's what he's throwing at us. Uh, let's show you the full clip on that, and then we'll jump in. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of, as the, uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people dying, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is the time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Okay, so putting aside the lack of energy, the odd telling us that the new world order is coming and sort of threatening us that an awful lot of people are going to die. He puts that out there, and it doesn't get a lot of traction on mainstream media. And uh, before I throw to you guys, I want to show one other thing. Twitter trending immediately told us that it wasn't even true. What he said right there, it was trending in politics. Unfounded claims about the new world order conspiracy theory are discussed after President Joe Biden used the phrase as he spoke about the United States' response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine during an address at Business Roundtable's CEO quarterly meeting. So don't worry, guys, even though Joe Biden said that there's a new world order, Twitter cleaned it up for him real quick. Uh, Carol, I'll jump to you first on this because uh, yeah. you work at the New York Post. And the other thing that we were covering pretty heavily this week was the whole Hunter Biden thing. Um, yeah. Who do you believe here? Do you believe Twitter or do you believe Joe Biden? Well, I think neither, really. I, I think, oh, I don't know where Joe Biden got this <laughs> new world order from or where he imagined he would be the one leading it. Uh, I, I think we're in a really crazy place with Joe Biden as our president where nobody really believes that he's the guy in charge, which is difficult for a new world order uh, when the guy is declaring that he's going to be the man running it. Um, and nobody thinks he's the man running anything. So... <laughs> It's a, it's a really wild situation to watch him on the world stage and be kind of nervous that the other other countries are seeing this. They're seeing our president sort of stumbling um, and talking about kind of crazy things. Liz, what do you think about Biden saying it? I mean, did he just kind of slip or did, I mean, you know, they give him the script. He reads usually quite poorly off the paper or the prompter. I mean, 
It doesn't seem like it was something he was supposed to say. Well, I, this was so hilarious to me when I first saw this headline and then I, I watched the clip for myself to make sure that the headline wasn't out of context. This was hilarious to me because like two or three years ago, if anyone said the phrase New World Order, yep. they were castigated by the yeah. left for being conspiracy theorists. This, this doesn't exist. This isn't a real thing. You tinfoil hat crazies, we were told. And then obviously, you know, two, three years later, Joe Biden says it himself. And now I'd love to hear from those same, those same liberals, those same mainstream media outlets that said that there was no such thing as a New World Order. But Twitter actually, this is a very interesting and telling warning, or I guess it was more of a summary that Twitter put out. Because if we lived in a society where journalists were curious, where they had any kind of journalistic integrity, they would ask the question, well, what do you mean? You and I, Dave and Carol, wouldn't have to sit yeah. here and speculate, did yep. Joe Biden mean to say this? Did he right. not mean to say this? Was this an accident? Who wrote this for him? Because journalists would be asking the question, they'd say, Mr. President, that phrase is attached to accusations of globalism from some people and accusations of conspiracy from other people. Could you clarify what that means? What do you mean by a new world order? What do you mean by we might take the lead? Because there is an effort by people, not just in our country, but around the world to have a globalist world order, to have these, these bodies above the sovereignty of nations ruling us. I mean, this is what the World Economic Forum wants to do. This is what the United Nations wants to do. And there are politicians in our country who want to give away our sovereignty to these extra governmental bodies. And so if we had a journalistic class that had any integrity at all, they would say, Mr. President, what do you mean when you say new world order? Yeah, and right. it's not just, just that, we, it's not just that we don't have a journalistic yeah. class, but Connor, real quick, could you throw the tweet up again, the, the screenshot of what Twitter put there? unfounded claims. So first off, he's the one that said New World Order. They start the sentence with unfounded claims. And then the implication is that if you talk about it, you're a conspiracy theorist. Uh, Carol, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say exactly to that point that somebody at Twitter understood the reference, whereas mm -hmm. Joe Biden did not. Somebody at Twitter was like, wait, we can't have the president saying this. This is a term used by people to mean something very specific, and the president maybe didn't mean it, or you know they cover up for him. But somebody at Twitter literally understood what the implications of that was in a way that Joe Biden did not. Carol, I want to go a little further on the on the Twitter part of this because the other mm -hmm. big thing, of course, of the last week was the the Hunter Biden story, which the New York Times yeah. confirmed, and now basically we're done. It, it's over again. Right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like we had two years of we couldn't talk about it. New York Times finally admits it's real, and then sort of maybe us and some of the online people talk about it for a day or two and now yeah. it's gone again. But as someone that works at the New York Post, which was mm -hmm. suspended, the links were unable to be posted by other people and everything else, um, mm -hmm. it's sort of directly connected to this story that, that Twitter is now more important than the journalistic outlets. And as yeah. Liz said, we don't really have that many journalists in the first place. Right. And you were unable to direct message that link to somebody. If I wanted to send it to you in a private mm -hmm. message on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, I would have been unable to. And so I think, again, going back to I, I, a lot of things are really scary right now. So I'm going to keep using that word. But this is scary that that uh, social media platforms have this kind of control over what people get to read and see and learn about. Um, and the joke, of course, is that the New York Times didn't produce any new information to confirm the, yeah. the Hunter Biden story. They, they simply looked into it a little deeper when it no longer mattered. And the thing is, and obviously this is a question that, you know, just kind of gets asked because of the timing, but why? Why did the New York Times do this now? And, it, you know, it's not, not really a conspiracy theory to say that they probably are looking to the future and they are not sure that they want Joe Biden to be the candidate in 2024. And I can't blame them for that. But this is a, a really targeted, specific way 
to get at the Biden family, to look at an old story and say, oh, we've discovered something new. There is nothing new here. Liz, I suspect you're not surprised that none of those 50 intelligence officers who issued the statement saying, <laughs> you know, that it was complete misinformation two years ago, nobody's retracted anything, nobody's apologized. We know nothing of who decided to do this at Twitter two years ago. Nobody's asking the questions. As you said before, we just don't have journalists. Carol, you must know somebody. Could you call somebody and ask somebody to, <laughs> to call somebody at Twitter and say, who is in the meeting? Who, you know, right, really, that's what people should be looking at. Who is in the meeting at Twitter to right. say, okay, we're gonna ban this thing, but uh, Liz, I'm surprised, you're not surprised by any of this, obviously. No, I'm not surprised because the 50 intelligence officers who said that this was a conspiracy theory, they've ruined that term, by the way, because now no one's ashamed to be associated with so-called <laughs> conspiracy theories because they all come true. Um, but these, these intelligence officers made a deliberate choice at that time. They did not believe that it was untrue. They just wanted you and I to think that it was untrue. They wanted the American people to think it was untrue. So of course they're not gonna retract. They lied once, they're fine lying again here. The, the actual problem here though, isn't the mainstream media. The mainstream media is part of the problem, but the bigger problem that we shouldn't forget that we shouldn't overlook is what Hunter Biden did. The fact that his emails showed that he was selling access to his father when his father was vice president of the United States under the Obama administration, that he was taking money from foreign entities tied to hostile governments, and that he was saving part of that money for the big guy, for mm -hmm. his father. Th this is the reason it's a bombshell story. It's not really a bombshell story that he's a crack addict. That's a sad part of it that explains some of his behavior, but that's actually, it's not just for family shame that we talk about Hunter Biden. It's not just to embarrass Biden. It's because his behavior put the national security of our country at risk. And so I think conservatives do need to be really careful when they're talking about this story, not just to focus on how awful the New York Times is or how awful Twitter are, which they are, of course, but focus on the actual crime that was committed. Because there was a poll that showed that Democrats who voted for Joe Biden in 2020, um, that they there's a, a good percentage of them who wouldn't have voted for Joe mm -hmm. Biden if they had believed the Hunter Biden story to be true. And so um, we need to focus on that, I think, more than the media aspect. Carol, at yeah. some level, again, because you're at the, the Post and you probably know personally some of the people involved in this, I mean, mm -hmm. at some level, this really was election interference, the fact that they oh, yeah. would not let mm -hmm. us get this information. Right. I, I think what Liz is saying is exactly right. This wasn't a story about, look at the president's crackhead son. It mm -hmm. absolutely is not about uh, Hunter Biden's problems. It is about what Hunter Biden did while Joe Biden was vice president. I, and I, I think that had Americans heard that his son is so compromised and had uh, accepted payment to connect to his dad, I think it would have been a really different story. I, that's the thing. I think, you know, Liz mentioned, mentioned that conspiracy theorists are no longer like a bad term. That's where we are now. And it, it's a bad place to be. I don't like that Americans yeah. don't trust anything. I don't think it's a good thing that we can't trust the media at all, that we don't trust most of our institutions at all, that we know that we're being lied to and that nobody will do anything about it. All of that is bad, in my opinion. I think, as a as a cohesive country, uh, we can't be we can't be in that place and, and be a cohesive country at the same time. And I think we all know that. All right. Well, putting aside our crazy conspiracy theories and the wacky ideas that you guys are talking about, Biden continued in that speech yesterday, and he's warning us. You remember about two months ago, when for a month he warned us that uh, there was going to be a war coming with Russia and Ukraine. Now he's warning us about food shortages. Here we go. Nothing more to report. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did re re talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. 
It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. Ah, so the sanctions are going to cause us and the Europeans to have food shortages. Um, Liz, were we promised that a couple weeks ago when this thing started? I don't remember anything about food shortages right here at home. I mean, we're shortage of we're having shortages of everything else, so I guess we should have expected it, but I don't remember that. Well, I think there's a couple things. I mean, I myself was waiting during this speech for Biden to mention whether um, his transportation secretary, Buttigieg, was actually back to his job, whether he was going to address <laughs> the supply chain crisis yeah. that we've been experiencing that does lead to food shortages. The, the other reason, this is true, right? Everyone who goes to a grocery store, which means not Joe Biden, understands that prices have been hiked really high. I mean, a gallon of milk is a lot more expensive. Um, diapers, I buy diapers for my daughter. They're a lot more expensive. This is, a, this is a real thing that we're dealing with. And the reason is it's not just arbitrary. It's not just happening. It's happening because of deliberate political decisions that Joe Biden has made, whether it's spending, which leads to um, inflation, whether it's not addressing the supply chain crisis, whether it's environmental policies that have that have hurt our farmers across the country that mm -hmm. have either driven prices up or driven the supply down. This is this is Joe Biden being out of touch once again. And I I'm excited in a sense to see how this plays out in the midterms because people are hurting and he's just being flippant about it. Carol, I want to focus on one word that Liz said right there, deliberate, because all week I did shows this whole week. Basically, my argument at this point is that this is deliberate. I think that they actually do want these supply chain issues. I think they want food shortages. I think they want high gas prices. They are trying to usher in, his words, a new world order, and you'd have to collapse the system and make everyone think this thing doesn't work. So, so when people say, that, oh, no, they're just bad at what they do. It's like, no, they're actually quite good at it. What, what do you think about that? I don't know. I, you know, the, the problem with that, and I, I get why that could be a theory of what's happening because everything makes no sense. Um, but the problem with that is at the end of that, who chooses like the Biden administration or Democrats in general to lead the way on this new world order um, when, when this everything has collapsed around them? I think one of the things is that we don't hear from Joe Biden that often. And when we do hear from them, it's always like winter of despair is coming. It's like, <laughs> it's never like, don't worry, I'm going to make things better for everybody. It's always like, prepare for the worst, we're all going to die. Um, so I, I don't really know why that's the strategy that his, you know, his administration has come up with for when we do see the president, he's always there to deliver the worst possible news to us. Um, I, I think food shortages are coming. I don't think they have anything to do with the, with the war in Russia. I think people have been predicting these food shortages for a while. I think we're seeing in stores uh, a lack of supply. It, it, it completely comes back to this administration being inept and not caring that this is affecting people on a very day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and it just, they're the world of, you know, the delayed treadmill, et cetera. They have no idea what's really happening out there in America. Yeah, by the way, congratulations on, to you guys for surviving the winter of death. And uh, Michael Bowles had a great point. We went from the, like the winter of death to now the spring of food shortages. <laughs> it's just incredible the, the way they use fear, but, but that's pretty much all they got at this point, right, Liz? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's emotional manipulation. It's emotional blackmail. I think that the the threats for the spring aren't going to be quite as frightening to people as the threats of COVID. But this is what they do. I mean, think about how they act on climate change. They tell us in 11 years, or I guess it's 10 years, but you haven't noticed that they changed their talking points, which is interesting. They're still saying 11 years, three years in a row. In 11 years, the world is going to end if we don't if we don't stop eating red meat and stop using airplanes and if we don't sacrifice our souls on the altar of socialism here. They do the same thing with COVID. If we don't give away our freedoms, then you will die and you 
you will be killing grandma. Now, you know, you're not going to have food for your family if you don't if you don't let let the Democrats turn our country into a Marxist state. I mean, at some at some point, they're going to have adrenal burnout syndrome, I would think, just from this constant hyping. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I would hope that the American people at some point would realize, listen, these predictions are not coming true. These predictions are inaccurate. It is fear mongering. And it, I, I, I do think it's a deliberate strategy. I do think that you are correct when you say that it's a deliberate strategy because in order to usher in the America that they want or the governing system of our country that they want, a socialist, communist, Marxist system, they have to destroy our institutions first. This is classic critical theory. This is Marxism. Um, and so they know that this is a part of conditioning the public to do that. Carol, which would you say is worse? If it's deliberate or not deliberate, which is actually yeah. worse? I mean, if it's deliberate, then it feels like, oh, we can fight it because we know there's something direct to point at. I mean, if it's complete ineptitude, I'll play. Right. I'll pretend that that sounds right. Like th that's much scarier in a way, right? Right. Well, that's that's exactly it. I, I, I'm not sure which the conspiracy theory is at this point, <laughs> but no, I think it is an ineptitude. I think this administration <laughs> has no idea what's going on, and and they're just completely out of touch. I I just I, I remember you know Joe Biden going on vacation uh, as the Afghanistan thing fell mm -hmm. apart, and it's just like how do you do that? How do you go home to Delaware? when Americans are dying in a, a country that you know we've been in for so long and you, you pulled out haphazardly and really um, didn't care about them. And, and so, I, you know, Liz said that Amer she hopes Americans see through what's going on. And I, I really do think Americans have gotten very savvy and that they understand a lot more than they say used to. And they're able to see the angles in a way that they hadn't maybe in the past. Um, I, I think they see this administration for what it is. I think they, they know that um, things are going badly and it's the direct result of this administration and their policies. Whether or not that's intentional is, is a, a separate issue, but I think Americans really do know where this begins and ends. Oh, I hope you are right. Well, whether it's intentional or not, here is one of Biden's top economic advisors by the name of Brian Deese telling us that we're probably going into a recession or maybe not, but it's sort of has something to do with them and also nothing to do with them. As it begins to tighten policy, are you confident that the Fed won't tighten into a recession? Look, I don't think anybody can be 100% confident of anything at this point. We're uh, in uncertain territory. I think that that's the task that they have in front of them. And they are. Uh, what I'm confident of is that they will do that with care and with precision and with independent judgment and that that is the best that we uh, can expect. Pretty inspirational, huh? I don't think anyone yeah. can be confident of anything. This is a White House <laughs> spokesman. I, uh, that Liz, I don't even have a question for you. Just say something. <laughs> well, listen, the road tell is paved with good intentions. So even if you think that this dude from the White House, and I call him that deliberately because he is in no position uh, to be admired here, even if he even if he just doesn't know what he's doing, um, he the Rotel's paid with good intentions. I mean, he's gonna he's they're leading the country into a financial crisis. That's obvious. You can see what's happening here. I personally, like I said, I think it's deliberate because I think that they're surrounding themselves. Whether or not Biden himself is aware of this stuff, that I don't know. I mean, the guy is senile. He belongs in a nursing home. You hear him. I mean, he's practically shuffling. I expect him to show up with Velcro shoes any day. But the the fact of the matter is, he surrounds himself with people who do know what they're doing. He surrounds himself with financial advisors who espouse modern monetary theory. This Nana's idea that the government can just or should, as the issuer of currency, just continue to spend, that they shouldn't worry about debt, they shouldn't worry about deficit, they should only worry about the amount that they spend as it relates to inflation. And when inflation becomes too high, then they just raise taxes so that it decreases demand on the 
supply. I mean, these are the people that Biden surrounds himself with. And we know that the ultimate result of that kind of crazy monetary theory is going to be economic ruin. Again, I think they're leading us to economic ruin because they want economic ruin to take down the institution so that they can so that they can impose instead socialism. But the fact of the matter is these people surrounding Biden are 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 crazy. They're very radical and deliberately so. Carol, you're a, you're a mother. If your kids came to you and they had a problem and your response was, well, I don't think anyone could be confident of anything and I can't really trust anybody, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> would this be a good way of parenting? You know, it's funny because that clip really did remind me of my children, that little shrug in the beginning, like yeah. who, color, who colored on the walls? <laughs> I don't know, could be anyone, really. Anything is possible, <laughs> not me. Um, I really think that shrug has to be memed because that's really a, a perfect uh, encapsulation of what's going on at the Biden administration. <laughs> Just that little like, I don't know, could be anything really. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's an irresponsible way to talk to the American people and say that, you know, anything is possible, prepare for the worst, start hoarding food, et cetera. Um, this administration really doesn't understand that they, their policies are leading to a lot of problems, but their communication is just really abysmal. What about the way that they sort of also, it's not just the strange wording and the double speak and all that stuff, but the blatant lies. I mean, things that we, yeah. that we all know are true, that if you just print money endlessly, you will deflate the value of money. It's basic economics 101, everyone understands it. it you can learn it from Monopoly if you didn't learn it in school. Is this also just a problem of education at this point that we have so many people who have been poorly educated that you can't blame these people for trying to take advantage of the situation, Liz? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's twofold in education. They're not only children are not only and not not just children, young adults in college are not only not taught good sound economics, they are actively taught not to think critically. And they're actively taught that it's not their place to question the experts. You know, we're basically raising children in this brainless technocracy where only certain people with certain degrees, as bestowed by radical leftist institutions, are allowed to speak on certain issues. It's it's like the Katanji Brown Jackson. Well, I can't tell you what a woman is I'm not a biologist like are you joking lady you are a woman define a woman this is this is this is well not to make a bad pun here this is not rocket science you can take part in this um, so yeah so it's the fault of bad education but you, you can tell what people are believing just I'm gonna go off of something Carol said she said we talked about food hoarders I mean are you guys are you guys stockpiling food like do you guys have emergency food I do my, my husband's yeah. a, somewhat I... of a prepper we have emergency food because we know what's coming even if you can't write down that economics algorithm in your notebook like people know what the result of these behaviors from the Biden administration are going to be I've got a freezer in my garage stocked with all kinds of good stuff that you guys are both welcome to during the apocalypse. I'm coming, for sure. Carol, so we basically should have known this was all coming, right? If they, they told us two plus two was five, they told us yeah. that boys are girls, of course the next mm -hmm. thing would be that, that nothing you know related to math and economics actually has any meaning. Right, or the COVID years, right? Two years of nothing making sense. Like these people don't have to be vaccinated, but these people do have to be vaccinated. These people don't have to mask, but these people do have to mask. And none of it had made any sense. And we were screaming, you know, into the void about it for two years. And the left still doesn't want to face up to any of that. But, you know, the thing about um, inflation is that it 
really can be explained in a really simple way. I, I'm telling you, you can talk to my nine-year-old and he'll explain why printing too much money will lead to prices becoming higher. Um, and I, I don't think this is a complicated concept. I think it just needs to be put out there. But instead, we have you know the Biden administration saying that this money printing thing that they're doing has nothing to do with inflation, that it has to, you know, Putin did it. It's always Putin at this point. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know that Americans understand that they should be kind of not affording, okay? Like, we, you know, we, not everybody can have a freezer in their garage, but they absolutely should be stocking up with an eye <laughs> on the future, for sure. Carol, is your son looking for a job? Because I'm pretty sure he- Would you like to interview the, him? He could be head of the Fed. I mean, I'll hire him for something, but he could be head of the Fed. All right, let, let's, he do, is looking. let's do one more thing here that sort of, I guess, captures this whole thing. I mean, Biden is just losing it. He just is. It's a sad, depressing reality. We can all joke about it all the time, and I do. And then my mom always says, stop joking about it so much because it's actually quite sad. He's the pilot of the plane, and the pilot is clearly incapable. Uh, here he is yesterday when he- uh, thought he was just going to freely take some questions. And I'll be now happy to take your questions. Since there's so many people out there, I'm going to been given a list. Now, how about Chris of the Associated Press? First question. So they hand him a list. We don't know who they is. And then when other people try to ask him questions, they get pushed away and rushed away. I'm fairly certain if this was the orange guy, the media would be screaming about it. Carol, it's, it's depressing, right? Like we yeah. don't, whether you like the guy or not, whether you think that they're right. trying to usher in the new world order or not, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right. Whether you like him or not is uh, irrelevant here, because I, I think we need to hear from our president. You don't have to agree with him. You don't have to disagree with him. Uh, we need to hear him speak. We need to hear him talk to the American people. And again, every time he talks to us, he says something crazy and we're all like, wait, what? Um, but in general, we don't hear from him that often. And the fact that he only goes to media that is his preferred media people, you know, I don't know. I don't know who Chris at, at Associated Press is, but, but that. Chris at Associated Press should know that he's being chosen because they think that he's going to be, yep. um, you know, a kinder to Biden Great or point. or just softer. Um, if I'm Chris, I, I I don't think that looks particularly great for me that they're confident I'm not going to ask a difficult question and throw the president off his game. Liz, did you happen to see the other part in this speech? We, we should have grabbed the clip where he goes in, again in on the very fine people hoax. And he says that, you know, this is why he decided to run for president, because Trump said there were very fine people in Charlottesville. And we know, and I've debunked it a million times, and all the Internet conspiracy theorists have done the same thing, where Trump immediately did condemn the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis. But that Biden is just repeating lies that are put in front of him. He doesn't know what he's saying. And I just don't know what to do at this point. Well, it's interesting. I, I did a whole episode on my show last week about this trifecta of, I called it this trifecta of evil that's happening in our country, where we have corrupt politicians who don't want to be held accountable to their voters. They're doing things like what Hunter Biden did. They're doing things like uh, trying to spend our money, like with the modern monetary theory. I don't need to give you an example of all the corrupt things they're doing. We have corrupt politicians. We all understand that. But the reason they're able to get away with their corruption is twofold. It's because we have big tech that's censoring reality. They're censoring any information 
information that would expose the corruption, right? They're creating this information vacuum by saying, nope, if you if you, if you you send a link about Hunter Biden, we are going to actively stop you from doing that because we don't want you to hear about this story. Mm -hmm. And then in this vacuum of information that they've created, then the mainstream media comes in and they propagate lies. They're not the censors. They're the ones who are telling you, actually, now that we have the truth out of the way, here's what we want you to believe. And it's only because of this trifecta, these three, these three parts of this apparatus, that corrupt politicians are actually able to get away with their corruption. Otherwise, we would find out and we would never stand for it. This would be a bipartisan rejection of this kind of corruption. That, that's what we see with the story about Charlottesville, this, this very fine people narrative from the left. We, we know empirically what the truth is. This is not a controversial thing to say. You can look up the video yourself. Trump actually said, except for white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Like mm -hmm. he was not talking about them. Who I condemn but totally. Big tech censors conservative. Yeah, he condemned them totally. He did, and he did it again and again. And big tech censors conservatives who who try to tell the truth. And then the mainstream media comes in with, with their false narrative, and that's what people believe. The only reason Biden is able to get away with his corruption and lies is because of big tech and the mainstream media. That's why he calls on these people, because they are a critical part of his apparatus. Carol, as someone that works at, at The Post and, and Fox and columnist and journalist, I mean, do you remember when it really went so haywire with so many of your colleagues or so many of the people at uh, these other organizations? I, you know, I think it is Trump. I think that was the moment where they lost it, where they no longer even pretended to see themselves as some arbiters of truth. They became, um, you know, anti-Trump as as a position and as a job. I remember Brian Stelter working this out kind of publicly and saying, like, are we supposed to, like, um, you know, fact check Trump in real time? Are we supposed to uh, ask questions that we know he's going to, you know, not tell the truth to? But as if that's only limited to Trump, right? Mm -hmm. They're not fact checking anybody else. So it became like our mission is no longer uh, to be journalists where, I, you know, I, I, liberal media has always been a thing. It's not like that's new. It's not like they've um, just began pushing their positions. But I think what changed is the openness with which they do it and the, the way that they have changed their entire focus. Uh, it's it's really no longer about telling American people the truth. It's about telling American people the story that they think that American people need to hear. Right. And by the way, it's like you got to sort of admire the machine to your point, Liz, because they can get away with the lies because then there's big tech and the machinery that we're always playing catch up and trying to whack a mole of the lies. We're all yeah. running behind that. And we do need a little bit of a paradigm shift, which is my final question, which is uh, you guys know how I try to do this show. I try to give people at the end, especially on a Friday, like the, the vision of the positive vision of how we get through this thing and how we make some sense of it and how, as I know you guys both as friends, you can live good, happy lives in the, in, in the midst of this lunacy. Liz, how can we do it? Uh, well, we, I mean, I, I say this tongue in cheek in a sense because I am myself obsessed with politics, of course, but make sure that you have your perspectives in proper order. I mean, you should be spending time with your family. You should be spending time with your spouse. You should be having children. You should be going to church. You should be having a community. You should be pursuing hobbies. You should be doing things for enjoyment. You should be partaking in charity. I mean, all, all of these things. I mean, I, I know I sound like a preacher at this point, <laughs> but all of these things are the joy of life. The reason that, that we're in politics, the reason that we're in political commentary, the reason that we're in 
media is to protect those things. Now, so often we have so much passion for what we do that we get our, I should speak for myself here. I get obsessed with it. I, I'm a workaholic by nature because I love what I do, but I, I have to make sure that I don't lose sight of those things because um, those are the joys of life. So what I do on the weekend is I spend time with my husband. I spend time with my daughter. I spend time with my family and my friends. And I, I do the things that we are fighting to protect. And so I, like I said, I know this sounds cliche. It sounds cheesy, but this is, this is what we as conservatives have to remember to do. It also helps us order what we need to protect politically based on what we want to do with our families. Carol, politics shouldn't be everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. <laughs> my answer is not not opposed to that. For sure, I, I focus on my family above all. I have focus on my friendships. I, I think that it's very important to take a break, you know, long breaks from Twitter. Um, and remember, the Twitter is not real life. But I will say that I think I'm very hopeful right now because I think so many eyes have been opened over the last especially two years where I don't think we're letting our kids get indoctrinated in quite the same way that we used to. I think that we are uh, super involved now in what our kids are learning, not just in school, but what they're learning on TV shows, what they're learning through books. Uh, I think parents have been you know, finally awoken and they understand that something is targeting their children and they're fighting back. So my hopeful thing is that parents have realized just how much politicization of their children is happening and they're ready to fight that and they are fighting that and I think they're winning. I really do. I think the last few weeks have really been encouraging to me that sanity will prevail. That's a, that's a solid note to end on. Well, I want to thank you two women, although we know this week that technically we're not sure what a woman is. I'm not a biologist, so I apologize if I've offended either one of you. Uh, I'm going to finish up for a couple minutes, but have a great weekend, guys. And Carol, I'm going to have that gelato that you sent me tonight. Right. So thank you very much. Uh, all right, guys. So, yeah, I think that's the right take. I really think that's the right take. I think they both hit good points there at the end. Liz's point of you just got to go live your life and be with people you love and do things you love to do and do charity and be part of your community. Like that's the point. Uh, and then Carol's point that the silver lining to all of this, which is much harder to see, is that so many people are waking up. I mean, the messages that I get from you guys, so much of my audience is filled with people that are waking up as I once woke up years ago. So that really is the message. I, actually, I would say that mostly when people say hi to me, on the street or at a store or something else, they'll be like, oh, you know, I was a lefty a year ago, or I didn't get any of this a year ago, or I saw you and Larry Elder and this and that and the other thing. And it's like, that means that tons and tons of people are waking up. And I think COVID woke a lot of people up. I think some of this obvious nonsense that we just went through uh, on this show today with Biden, it's like, it's pretty damn obvious. And maybe that means that the machine will just hit down harder. Maybe that means that more censorship will be ramped up. Maybe that means that they'll just try to scare us more and more. COVID-2 is coming back. Food shortages are coming back. Nuclear war. But I think we're going to be all right. But, it, but it's on us. And actually, I wrote a book about it. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's right here, and it's coming out in a couple of weeks. April 12th is when the book comes out. But the book tour comes uh, starting on April 19th. I'll be in Orlando, Florida. Then I'll be in West Palm Beach on the 19th. I'll be in Clearwater on the 20th. Uh, April 21st in Raleigh, North Carolina, April 22nd in Atlanta, Georgia, the 23rd in Chicago, 24th in Dallas, uh, Washington, D.C. on the 25th, West Nyack, New York on the 26th, then I have a little bit of a break, then Brea, California in, uh, Brea, California, in Brea, California, 
Uh, May 12th, Oxnard, California. May 15th, San Jose, California. May 16th, Phoenix, Arizona. May 18th, Denver, Colorado. We'll add some other dates. You can go to DaveRubin.com slash events. And Dennis Prager's joining me. Larry Elder's joining me. Oh, we just announced uh, Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., you know this guy? He's going to join me in West Palm Beach on April 19th. Uh, we've got Benny Johnson. We've got Yanmi Park in Chicago. It's just, it's just a great group of people. It's going to be fun. I hope you guys will, will join us and have a fun night out. Uh, that's all we've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the shows this week. I did. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend and uh, you don't stare at your phone the whole time and you get out there and get some fresh air and enjoy your loved ones. That is all. See you on Monday. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.